Welcome. I am Michael. I'm a traveler, entrepreneur, investor, trying to be an improv artist and soon to be a very, very bad stand-up comedian. But as always, I am very, very, very neurotic. I'm also a TV host and your host right now for what we call the Second Scene Podcast. It is a Dweebs Global production where you can go for free mental health help, resume help, you name it. We have mentors around the world. It's dweebsglobal.org. It is completely confidential. It's completely free. Free. So please need any help whatsoever, dweebsglobal.org. And also please subscribe or follow or like or whatever it is you're supposed to do on the podcasts. We could use you doing that. So I am here today with Megan Zimba. Megan is a powerful woman who hosts a live video broadcast called Mavens of Manufacturing, where she celebrates other powerful women who are changing the world through manufacturing. Megan also has an incredible resume from content marketing manager at Advanced Machines and Engineering Company to marketing coordinator at Photolab and so much more. We will get into all of it. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to start out with kind of a, a dumb question. What is manufacturing? Like, what does that consist so, of? <laughs> it, it consists of a lot. A lot of us, I think, take it for granted because everything that we have in our lives, so from, you know, the cell phones that we use to the televisions that we watch, the cars that we ride in, the bikes that we use, um, it's everywhere. Um, if you have a product that was made by a company, pretty sure it had something to do with manufacturing. So it it's, there's so many different levels of it because you have your suppliers and you also have your distributors and then you know, they can be small to medium-sized companies or major corporations like Samsung is one to name. Everybody knows that brand, right? Of course. So, um, and then you have like your, your mill companies who are actually taking raw materials like stainless steel or carbon or um, copper and melting that element down so that it can be shaped and formed into either thin sheets of metal that can also be bent and shaped into types like different types of shields or uh, different metal components that are in sensors. So there's so much in manufacturing. So manufacturing, the process of manufacturing, um, let's just take like an iPhone, for instance, is it consist, when does the manufacturing start? Is that like the designer, the person who actually like design, the, where, like, where does it start and where does it end the manufacturing process? Like what parts of the process are considered manufacturing? It, it starts right away, I believe. So um, a lot, there are design engineers out there and um, when engineers design something, it can get a little bit tricky because then when you get into the manufacturing part of things, after you get the design, you have to make sure what is within the design is actually compatible with how it will work. It's amazing um, what they, just thinking about a phone design, what goes into yeah. it and how they can, they have this shape that they then have to design mm -hmm. all the components to fit in, which don't naturally fit in that shape. And like, like, right. you said, like everything down to like the materials can affect how that phone works and how that phone operates. Right. Well, and if you think about it too, like back in the day, how big and ridiculous cell phones used to be, and now they're really like paper thin. And then there's even design concepts out there where they're actually trying to figure out how to like roll up a cell phone or fold it in pieces. Um, so it's really crazy to see that, but then you have to think about, okay, if I want to fold this up, how do I make the screen flexible enough so it's not breaking or leaving any creases? 
and you can fold it multiple times without it, you know, damaging that design. So you have to take all of that in consideration and figure out, you know, do we need to sacrifice this component over this one? Do we need to sacrifice the big screen if, to have a larger battery? It, it just, it's a never ending problem solving process. Right. And I feel like with almost everything that's getting created now from cell phones to, I don't know, to houses to, to uh, cameras to, I mean, almost anything, they want to make them smaller, but they want, or not houses, I guess smaller, but they want to, they want the actual materials to take up less room and they want them yeah. to be lighter and they want them to be stronger. So right. that, that's a constant battle. I mean, yeah. strength. Yeah. What's one of the stronger materials that people can work with now or that they've developed or they're going in a direction with? So in the sector, in the industry that I work with, we work with a lot of um, titanium and some of the so the process that I'm involved with, because there's different manufacturing processes as well, too, that people don't realize. So one is additive manufacturing or 3D printing. So you can 3D print metal or you can 3D print different types of plastics or polymers. Um, the, the process that I'm involved in is called chemical etching or acid etching. And it's basically taking um, different kinds of solvents, spraying it on a thin sheet of metal, and then um, whatever isn't covered by like a protective sheet, um, the unprotected metal gets dissolved and then you get your part from that. And our parts are usually found in like defense um, applications, medical applications. We, we had a huge part in um, helping with the ventilator shortage when the pandemic first started. So a lot of our thin components went into ventilator applications and um, we were really proud of that. But Titanium, with, with, it's such a strong metal that it's really hard to etch. So you have to think about, okay, what chemicals can we mix together to actually eat away titanium? Because it is such a strong metal. But then there's the challenge of um, the etching machine. You have to make sure that it's durable enough so that the chemicals you're using to etch titanium don't destroy the machine. So it's like one challenge after the other. Right. Um, you use diamonds. Can you use diamonds to etch uh, titanium? You can use diamonds, I believe, in CNC machining, which is a different process, and that's okay. where you see um, that's where you see like actual tool bits and stuff cutting away the metal. Ours just kind of eats away it eats away at it. Um, that's that's the chemical etching process for CNC machining. You're actually taking a block of metal, you're putting it in a machine, and then there's jewel bits coming in different directions. And the machine is actually programmed to cut out the shape that you want. Right, so it's, it's actually like carving it. It's almost, uh, yeah. you can imagine a human going in there with a knife and chiseling away and, yeah. and, and uh, carving out something. The CNC machines do that for you. You just pre-program yeah. Yeah, I was used to CNC machining and additive manufacturing and milling and lathes and um, all of those processes. And then um, when PhotoFab hired me this past year, that's when I first learned about photochemical etching. And it's it's been really fun just seeing how it works and what applications we actually have our components in. Wow. Well, I'm into 3D printing. I have a couple of 3D printers myself, and I think it is just amazing. I was missing a piece for uh, a gate for our dog the other day and I went and quickly designed a little corner that I could uh, put onto it. And it was like, literally I normally would have had to like order a whole new gate because you can't order like the little piece. Yeah. <laughs> I would have had to shimmy in a piece of wood. Um, 
it's really amazing how quickly people in their own homes can create pieces. Uh, yeah. Yeah. From yeah. Broken, you know, anything broken, you can, you can literally create a replacement part. And it's not that difficult once you, once you, once mm -hmm. you put your mind to it. And the thing that's amazing with additive manufacturing now too, is that they're actually, they have larger um, platform machines so that you can actually 3D print a boat if you want to. It, it's getting more advanced and it, it's, you're seeing it in different industries within manufacturing. I know a lot of um, additive manufacturers help um, amputees who have lost limbs and they're 3D printing their prosthetics Right. And it's amazing because it's a lot less expensive than, you know, some of the traditional ways that they make prosthetics. And, you know, those things don't last a lifetime. You have to get those switched out and you need different types of prosthetics if you want to be athletic versus, you know, walking around on a, on a normal day. So um, it's just interesting to see how, right. the, the how it's advancing. The cost savings and how easy it is to customize them per person. Yeah, is absolutely. Un unbelievable. All right. Well, coming back to another aspect of manufacturing that I wanted to ask is it is it still mainly a man's world or is it really become? Um, yes. So manufacturing is is definitely um, still a little bit male dominated. It's getting better. Um, there have been studies out there. Uh, by the Manufacturing Institute and a company called Deloitte that uh, they do a lot of research and surveys and um, push out reports regularly. And um, the, the last report that was sent out, even though women represent 50% of the workforce, we're only around 28 to 30% in manufacturing compared to um, men who are also involved in manufacturing. So there's a lot of different, um, you know, campaigns out there that are trying to get women excited about manufacturing. And, you know, there's some questions around, well, why? Why aren't women, you know, as interested in manufacturing as men are? And um, through Mavens of Manufacturing, I have the opportunity to talk to a lot of women in the sector who are doing amazing things um, they are involved in aerospace, they're, they're involved in military and defense and the medical field. And, you know, most of them fell into manufacturing by accident. It wasn't something that they initially thought they were going to pursue. Um, I've talked to school teachers who switched their career pathway into manufacturing. I talked to a basketball coach who was like, yeah, I just don't want to do this anymore. So she switched into manufacturing. Um, there's, there's a lot of availability and opportunities there with women or for women, sorry. Um, but when you, when you get down to the nitty gritty of, you know, why it might not be an attractive career pathway for women to think about, um, there's a lot of misconceptions. The biggest one is that manufacturing is this dirty, dark, dangerous place. Um, some people tend to think, oh, manufacturing. So you're in this, you know, oily machine shop that, you know, you get dirty and grimy and all that other stuff. And while that does exist in certain parts of manufacturing, um, it's not everywhere. It's not across the board. Um, another, another issue is, you know, uh, women who want to have families, they don't think that there's enough flexibility within manufacturing for them to have that, you know, work-life balance. And if you're a mom, um, there might not be an opportunity for a mom 
even single mothers to have a successful career in manufacturing because they have to worry about, you know, being there for their kids, especially if they're a single mother, you know, things come up, uh, emergencies come up. And sometimes, you know, companies aren't flexible to um, have deal with those types of situations. So a lot of manufacturers are in the process right now of figuring out, you know, how can we provide that flexible work-life balance? So if you do have kids and emergencies come up, you're not getting penalized for leaving, you know, in an emergency situation and going to take care of your family. Um, it seems like an industry that could has really moved online because you don't have mm-hmm. to do a, a lot of the hands-on part of it now is automated. Um, so I would, I yes. would think it's a lot of work from so home. So mm-hmm. there is, and that was one blessing of the pandemic, I believe. So I'm more in the marketing part of manufacturing. Um, so working from home is not a big deal if you're in the marketing part of it or if you're a tech writer, which is my background. Um, I can work behind a computer all day in a coffee shop at my house really anywhere. Um, As long as I have a laptop, I can sit on a beach somewhere and do my job. But if you're on the factory floor, it's a little bit harder because you have to run the machines or you have to watch the machines. Um, There are applications out there where they're trying to create smart factories and they're having a lot of success with that. And they're including robotics and they're including automation And uh, one of the misconceptions within the robotics uh, sector of manufacturing is, well, robotics are going to take over the jobs and humans aren't going to have a place, which is not accurate at all. We We need programmers for these robotics, and we also need some human assistance in case something does go wrong. Um, you can go on site and fix, fix the robotics. A lot of the robotics, um, they call them cobots. Mm-hmm. So they coexist with the human workers and they're really there just to make the processes more efficient for the human workers that are on the shop floor. There's a lot of great articles out there I think people should look into, but it's just another opportunity for anyone who's like a robotic nerd like myself to look into and see, okay, where would I fit in to this part of manufacturing? Right. I think Tesla, Elon Musk, when he built this factory, he tried to automate everything. And I think he firmly believed that he could have robots completely replace humans. And I think that was one of the biggest problems he had when he was trying to mass produce the Model 3 was he over relied on the robots and realized, wait a second, hey, we need humans. Like we need more of them. (laughs) Maybe way down in the future, that would be a possibility, but we're not quite there yet. So I think, you know, even if we do come to a point where we have these fully automated processes without any type of human interaction, I, in my opinion, I feel like we're still going to need humans to take that data, take that product, and, you know, still see how can we make this design better. So I don't, I don't think we're going to be completely replaced by humans. It sounds like a really weird sci-fi movie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you, but that's just because Elon Musk, I think if he couldn't do it, <laughs> I think no, right. nobody else is going to be able to completely replace humans right now. Because he would have. Right. <laughs> so, so your reasoning for, cre- I mean, you created Mavens of Manufacturing really to try to get women more interested. Yeah. So um, I have a daughter. She's actually graduating high school this year. 
And I was being nosy and listening in on all of her conversations, I think like any typical parent would do. And um, most of her friends are all talking about getting into healthcare, teaching. Um, none of them are really talking about manufacturing or engineering. There's a few architects there. Um, I guess you could kind of apply that to manufacturing. But yeah, none of them really thought about manufacturing. And they're all talking about going to a four-year school which I'm not totally against four-year universities. I actually um, did my bachelor's and got my master's in technical writing, but now I'm in insane amount of debt right now that I'm still paying off and I might be paying that off for the rest of my life. Who knows? Maybe I'll hit the lottery and um, that'll take care of that problem. But, you know, there are opportunities within manufacturing where you don't necessarily have to go to a university to be successful or have a prosperous career pathway within manufacturing. Um, right now, there is a huge need for welders and welders can actually start off at anywhere between 80 and 90 grand, depending on what type of welding you're doing. Oh, wow. And you only have to go through a certification program or tech school and you know, learn how to weld. My brother actually switched his career pathway. He's in his forties and um, he got sick and tired of what he was doing. He wasn't happy at all. And he went into a welding program. Two years later, he got his welding certification and right away he found a job and he is making not as much money as he was before, but it's not significantly less. Um, and he has opportunities to grow within the company that he's working with now. And they do regular raises all the time. So eventually he's going to surpass what he was making before and he's a lot happier and he didn't have to go to a four-year university to do what he's doing. Right. He's a lot more prepared for real life. Not yeah, just... absolutely. Absolutely. So is, are th tell me about a guest that really stuck out to you from, from your show. I've had so many and it's, it's, it's been really fun because that. Uh, the women that I talk to, they're so passionate about what they do and they want everybody to be successful and succeed. Um, I recently talked to a woman in aerospace and she went to, she worked for a company initially and she's like, I just hate it. I hated my job. I didn't want anything to do with it. So I knew my neighbor was in manufacturing. So I went next door and I was like, okay, I, I need a job. You need to hire me for this position and he's like you have no experience in manufacturing or engineering you know and she's like it's okay I'm a quick learner and she persuaded her, her neighbor to hire her at his aerospace company well fast forward to today she actually bought the company with one of her partners so oh. she owns this really prosperous aerospace company in Georgia she now is the chair member. Um, there's an organization called the Women in Manufacturing. It's a national organization. Um, they actually have a few chapters internationally as well, too. So they're expanding on a global level, which is fantastic. And she's um, started the, her own chapter of WIM in Georgia. She, she got in touch with the founder and was like, how do I start this chapter? We need, we need this here because a lot of women that are in manufacturing in Georgia, they don't have connections to other women. And we would like to start a chapter in Georgia. So she started the chapter in Georgia. She, she does all of these amazing book clubs 
and she ties everything in with manufacturing. And now she's starting to do these virtual um, apprenticeship programs and internship programs for students that are across the nation. And she's like, we really need to change how we're marketing ourselves as companies so that we're not just speaking to our customers, but we're also speaking to the students and the parents within our communities so that they know, hey, this is a great career opportunity. You can really have fun with it and you can really thrive in it. And she's like, that, that's one of my main goals. And she's not the only person or women that I know within manufacturing who started at the real basic level and worked her way up as an owner. Um, there's several other women that I talked to where they answered a newspaper ad, started out as the receptionist at the front desk in the manufacturing company, and then now they own the company. So it, it's it's really Crazy. cool just to, to see. Um, this week, I'm actually talking to a woman. She She's part of a, a robotics um, program. And what they're trying to do is figure out, okay, how can we take what we're doing with this robotics program and apply it to the curriculum in within our communities, middle schools and high schools, so that while the kids are going through, she's starting to work on K through 12 now, while, while they start kindergarten, how can we get robotics into their kindergarten curriculum and keep it going until they graduate high school? So I'm really excited to talk to her because they're, they're trying to figure out, okay, here's robotics. What are the basic skills you need to know for robotics? What are some of the advanced skills? And then how can we start that learning process from the time they get into school all the way up until the time they graduate school? Because that's the thing now. Robotics, robotics is one of the main trends happening. Um, I think it's wonderful what you're doing with the, <clears throat> with the podcast. And, um, and Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's an amazing thing. You keep mentioning that you are a copyright or uh, your so I was one of those kids but I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up um because I liked everything and I had fun doing everything and I don't think I was I don't think I should have been a college kid ever um it just never was attracted to me but I grew up in an in an era where that's what parents wanted their kids to do if you want your kid to be successful they have to go to school and they have to get all of these degrees and if they don't get their doctorate or their master's degrees, then they're going to be a failure and they're not going to make money and they're going to be a bum on the street or something. That's like the image I had in my head from oh, the pressure no. that I got from my parents. And I was just like, wow, like this is a lot of pressure. So I actually went to the same college as my sister. I'm the youngest of six. So uh, the closest sibling to me is uh, 14 months older than me. And she's like, just come to come to the same university that I'm at. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I had that safety net and um, big mistake, <laughs> almost flunked out twice <laughs> and uh, was on academic probation. And I was like, this, this is terrible. I'm, I'm gonna be that bum on the street that is the disappointment of our family oh, and no. it's gonna be terrible. But what ended up happening was I got pregnant with my daughter, my oldest daughter. And um, I was like, I really gotta turn my life around because um. Her father actually ended up leaving the picture and, you know, no hard feelings there. It was his decision. He, he needed to figure whatever he needed to figure out, but I needed to play both roles for her and I had to set a good example. So it really lit a fire under my rear. And um, I always was obsessed with writing and words, like spoken word poetry was just 
really, really intriguing to me. And how you say things or arrange words really affects how people understand them or take them or connect with things. Mm -hmm. And I was always fascinated with that. Um, So when I moved back to Wisconsin to finish out um, college, I really needed to figure out, okay, do I want to do creative writing? Because I'm not really good at it. Um, I don't really know how to capture an audience like Lord of the Rings has or the Harry Potter books has. And it's, it was kind of looking like a starving artist type career, which I didn't want to do because I really wanted to focus on providing the best for my daughter. So I talked to a couple of uh, my classmates and technical writing just kept coming up. And I'm like, what, what does that even mean? Like, what's that mean? Mm-hmm. And it really focuses on um, like explaining how to put something together. So one of the first classes that I had on that track for technical writing was, okay, we're gonna make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and you have to write instructions on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I'm like, oh, that's that's so easy. Like, okay. So I wrote out the list of my instructions. Our professor balled it verbatim, absolutely verbatim. And sometimes the peanut butter made it on the table. Sometimes the the jar made it on the floor. Like it was so interesting to see how he interpreted each of our list of instructions verbatim and how it was a disaster for every single one of us. No one, no set of instructions had a complete peanut butter and jelly sandwich by the time it was by the and that was so fascinating. I would to love me. to so, watch I would love to watch this. This sounds like such a it was it was hilarious. It was so and you know, when he would go through the steps, everybody was like, well, no, that's not what I meant. And he goes, then why didn't you write it down? He's like, this is what this whole course is going to teach you. It's going to teach you how you need to be careful how you write things out. Because when people are reading these manuals and you omit something because you think it's not important, or if you word it in a certain way, it can actually be catastrophic because some of these instructions are used to put like engines together that go into airplanes are used to put you know used to show a welder how to weld something and that weld is on something that goes into space if it's not strong if it's not put together correctly it can break and if it breaks midair it could kill people so you have to really be careful on how you are writing information and how it gets translated because not everybody interprets information the same way from one person to the next. So it really focused on the theory of, you know, how to take information, technical information and making it um, clear and comprehensive to someone that might not be as technical as they should be. So that's the route that I went into. And um, when I first got out of college, uh, I got hired on by a trade publication and um, started writing product releases for different manufacturing companies. And the information needed to be really consistent and it needed to have the jargon that other manufacturers and engineers would understand. And so it was just a different way of writing. And I've been hooked ever since. And now um, I'm into this whole um, journey of brand storytelling which manufacturers and engineers, they're not 
very sociable people. Um, they're kind of socially awkward and they don't really understand sometimes what the big deal is in what they do. So a lot of engineers that I've met, they get really tense when they have to talk about the things that they're doing because it makes so much sense to them. They don't understand, well, if I just say this, I don't understand why people don't get what I'm talking about. And it's because they're not engineers. They don't have your brain. Mm -hmm. So I help, you know, make that information that they have inside their head comprehensive to other people that are outside of their group. And it's been really fun. And um, manufacturers and engineers, they really need to start, you know, being proud of their brand and getting people excited about it because that's one way to get customers to keep buying what you're making. And if you don't have customers to buy what you make, then you're not going to be successful and you're not going to exist. So with brand storytelling, I'm taking that technical information and I'm turning it into a story that other people can connect with on an emotional level. And I'm helping them, you know, bring in more customers, but also tie them to the community that they're within so that the community can get excited. Like, yeah, we're the home of this company or we're the home of this company. And then they have the support of their community and they can thrive even further. Oh, wow. I can relate a little bit. I'm not a, I'm not a good writer by any means, but I used to be a computer programmer. Wasn't that great of a computer programmer either, but I really understood how programming worked and the intricacies of it. And I was really good at explaining that to like the designer side. So I was like, a, I was a CTO for a couple of companies, but I was good oh, at nice. that because I understood the programming enough and what they were trying to say to then communicate with the designers and the, the layout artists and all of them so that they could work together. Uh, Cause there's a yeah. In design sometimes design the design mind and then the programmer's mind um. absolutely absolutely and yeah and if you if the designers or if the programmers were to try to talk to the designers on their own mm -hmm. and try to explain what they're doing like you said there was a disconnect and I would probably have been one of those people like what the hell are you talking about like what does any of this mean um so it's 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 a continued learning experience for me, which I like because I'm learning about all these new technologies and I get to interview all of these really great, fantastic people that no one really knows of because they're behind the scenes. And um, sometimes it's a challenge because not a lot of them get out in the public, like they're engineers for a reason. They like their own space and they don't really like to socialize with it. So it's really fun to crack that hard shell and, you know, learn why they chose engineering and why it makes them passionate and so many great minds come up with all of these designs and just to see how it start started as a concept and worked its way into fruition is it's awesome it's really that's, cool that's really neat you must really have to dig <laughs> to get oh it yeah yeah absolutely uh, this has been really neat really interesting um technical writer for manufacturing i never thought of that as such like an exciting fun job but you really enjoy it and I can see that and feel it and it's 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 it sounds really neat <laughs> I don't know I'm yeah sure. and to be fair when I was going through school I didn't think it was going to be fun and exciting either <laughs> mm -hmm. but then once I got uh, hooked up with the trade publication um, I was able to write about different companies and learn about different products and additive manufacturing when it first started coming out that was one of the things that we were writing about and it was super cool to be part of a trade publication because um 
when people are trying to sell a concept that's brand new, like through additive manufacturing, they send you the machine for free and you're able to work with it so that you can actually write about it. So if you ever want to try like brand new products out for free, figure out how to get into to writing because um, if you work with like a trade publication to review companies, more than more than 50% of the time they'll they'll send you what they're working on for free so that you can play with it yourself and write a good review for them. <laughs> that was always a fantasy of mine was to be a writer of technology and get all these fun toys to play with on a daily basis. <laughs> it's yeah, I've I've had uh, robots sent to me. I've had um, different parts sent to me to build myself because they they needed to test the usability of it and see if it was really that easy for other people to use it. So they would send us stuff like that and say, okay, be honest, was this easy for you to put together? If not, where were your challenges? And they actually worked with us to improve the design efficiency of their product. So it's a lot of fun. And we didn't know what we were doing. We were just like, yeah, we'll put this together. Sure, why not? And none of us were like engineers by trade. We were just like, writers and we're, yeah we'll put this together um we also had a food publication too for food manufacturing so we would get a lot of different types of food sent to us and do taste tests and see if it tasted good or not <laughs> i want to i want to try to put together a, a technical document and send you peanut butter and jelly and bread and see how it comes out <laughs> <laughs> i will i will film it i'll definitely yeah. film it it'll be fun <laughs> well thank you so much for being here um please visit mavensofmanufacturing.com to check out her broadcast is awesome. Uh, is there any other links you want me to share? Yeah. If you just want to go to YouTube and check out Mavens of Manufacturing, um, I don't have a customized link yet because I'm still working on those subscribers, trying to get that up so I can get that link. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, which is not really a popular site for anyone that's not um, looking to network with professionals. But if you go on there, um, really cool place to learn more about like different types of manufacturing. Um, it's the hub for manufacturers, basically LinkedIn is. Uh, we are all on there uh, connected with each other and chatting with each other. So if you're a super nerd like I am and you like technology, um, go on LinkedIn and you'll see a lot of cool articles about what's going on within each industry and manufacturing, aerospace, defense, medical, a lot of cool stuff coming up. So check it out. All right. Awesome. Well, we will share all of those links below. So people Great. can find you easily from here. Thank you again for being on here. And please, if you're listening or watching, hit subscribe, follow, or join, or whatever your media is telling you to click, there's a button to do it. So click it. And again, this has been a Dweebs Global production. That's why we do this podcast. We do it for Dweebs Global. They provide free mentorship help and they have people from around the world, every language, every place, resume writing to mental health. They're there to help. And it's completely free, completely confidential. And that is dweebsglobal.org. See y'all next week.